Time we are offering financial peace, and uh, there's a class actually meeting on the other side of the wall there uh, this morning, and then we are offering another class on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Uh, love to have you be a part of that. The, the classes do at, uh, last about 75 minutes to 80 minutes, uh, so there is some time commitment there for nine weeks. If you remember before, it was a 13-week study, and they've shortened everything to nine weeks, and so we are offering that. Now, if, if you say, well, I'd like to be a part of this, but the first class already happened. Well, you can catch up with us on Wednesday night and then go right into it next next week and catch the second week. So uh, you're welcome to join us on that. Uh, we hope you'll make a, uh, make a, take advantage of this. We've had probably over the years, we've probably had uh, upwards around 100 couples that have taken it. And I can tell you from experience, personal experience, and some of their experiences, this stuff really works. And it is a biblical approach. Many of you probably years ago studied Larry Burkett or Howard Dayton. Uh, some of that information is kind of interwoven into this study itself. And uh, Dave Ramsey uh, will tell you that, that his probably his mentor was Larry Burkett. And so there's so many different things there, so I'd like for you to do that. Now, the cost is normally $104, and our church is investing in you as a couple uh, for $55. If you can uh, come up with that, that would be uh, great to help offset the cost. And so we'd love to have you be a part of that. You can sign up at our desk at the end of the service. Well, this is our last week of the series 101080. Now, let me show you something as it relates to our finances. Have you ever thought about this? How should I view my finances? I don't think many of us think that way. I think most of us, when we think of finances, we're thinking, okay, we want these things to balance out. There's really no plan in the future. We just want to get through today. And I understand that. That's how I've lived most of my adult life, and I understand it. But I want us to look at the perspective. How should we do this? So if you look on the screen, it says, basically, as you see that, it says, possessions are, go ahead and pull that up. There you go. Uh, you have your percept, uh, perspective. You had stewardship and prosperity. So possessions are, when you look at stewardship, a responsibility. And it's that whole idea that you've been given, what you've been given has come from God. And, and it's that whole idea of he's entrusted this with you. And so it's a responsibility. But prosperity, when you look at it from probably our cultural way, it's more of a right. We believe we have a right to, uh, to finances and all this different, and our wealth. Next. You'll see, I work to serve Christ. That's the high idea of stewardship. That's the, the whole idea of those who know Christ. And then I work to become rich is more of a prosperity way of looking at our finances. Godly people are faithful. That's the stewardship. And then prosperity, we're looking for to be wealthy. Okay, And there's nothing wrong with that because God is going to be faithful in those things. So ungodly people are unfaithful and prosperity, they are poor. Now, some of you are looking at it and saying, well, wait a second now. When I look at some of these ungodly people, they're very wealthy. Every time I turn on the TV, one is showing us what they have. But really, are they? When you're a steward of what God's entrusted you with, sometimes the reward is not going to come in this world. It's going to come in the world to come. Matter of fact, we need to be thinking of this whole idea that, that we are not only investing in the kingdom of God, we're investing in the eternal kingdom of God. And there's a different way of looking at that. So when you look at it, really, at the end of this life, it's all going to be poor because they may have a lot of stuff, but not necessarily anything that's eternal. Next, we have, I give because I love God. 
And that's a great way to give. Matter of fact, as I've said before, you're not, you're, 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 <laughs> when you give, you're more like God. And then I give to get. That's our prosperity way of looking at it. And by the way, there's gospel preachers out there that's kind of communicating this. And, uh, and that's not the right way of looking at it. It's the idea of stewardship. Next. My spending is prayerful and responsible. That means you're praying through these things. And then prosperity says it's careful and consumptive or carefree and consumptive. It's that whole idea that I'm driven by my material discontentment. And, and, and that's where most people come at it from when it comes to their spending. And, and again, this comes from Howard Dayton and his information. Now, let's look at where we are today. Look at the introduction. 101080 are called by many the numerical financial starting points. It's that idea that we are to give 10%, we are to save 10%, and we are to spend 80%. Now, let me just say this. I think that is a starting point. I agree with those. That at some point, we want to see those lower numbers come up and the spending come down. The problem with most of us, and I've been a part of this in my own adult life, is once we start getting more, we want to increase the spending. We don't think that, okay, well, maybe we can give more or maybe we can save more. No, what do we do? We, we raise our standard of living. And sometimes that's not the best way to go about this. And so we see that so clearly. Dave Ramsey says, you must make your money behave left to its own it will never go in the right direction. I gave this to you all three weeks, and I think there's something to this. We have to be proactive. We've got to be, look at the next statement. We've got to be intentional. Therefore, you must be intentional with your finances, which brings up the B word, a budget. A budget tells your money where to go. It gives a plan for you and your family's future. Now, I know, I get it. Some of you are sitting here right now today, and you're retired, and you're sitting here and say, what good is this going to do me? I'm, I'm where I am, and this is pretty much where I am and probably will be. And I understand that. But the thing is, don't you wish someone would have given you this information early in life? I know I do. It was in my 40s before I started looking at my finances as this whole idea that my finances, I need to have a plan for those things. There's some goals that I need. There's things that I think God is calling me to be a part of with my finances. And it changed everything the way I saw it. And, and I think we need to understand that God wants so much more for us in our finances. Now, how do you handle your finances? Let me just say this. I think some people ignore their finances. How many of you have ever noticed that we tend to ignore those things we don't feel a handle on or we don't feel confident in? Yeah, we ignore it. And, and the next thing we know before we know is, is the credit card's maxed out. How do we know that? We go out to eat and the waitress or waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir or ma'am, this is not working. And for some of us, Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You've been there because you just kind of ignored it and just paid what you had to pay and just kept going. And it was hard to look at all that because it didn't remind you of success. It reminded you of your failure. We tend to want to ignore our failures. And I understand that, but that's not the way you deal with finances. How about this? How do you handle your finances? Do you just wing it? Yeah, I pay my bills on time. I got this. We got that. We have no plan with anything, but we got it. Or do you have a plan, an intentional plan? 
Let me just say this. The longer you put off a plan, the less potential you have with your finances. I'm serious. I, I, I tried to put this in my own children's life and, and tried to say, hey, uh, hey, guys, let me just tell you, these are some mistakes me and your mom made. I want you to do better than I ever did. I wish I had this information. I made my kids, when my kids basically couldn't take financial peace, Jonathan was able to take it. My daughter wasn't able to take it. By then, she was kind of off. I said, you need to listen to this. I gave her all these CDs to listen to. And she said, Dad, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't make any money (laughs) at that time in her life. I said, you will one day, and you better listen to this stuff. I didn't want to make the same mistakes I made. So... Have you counted the cost, which brings us to the idea of a budget? Have you counted the cost of of you not doing anything? Have you counted what that could cost you in the end? So let's start. What is a budget? The idea or concept of a budget is found throughout Scripture. Now, some of you are like, well, wait a second now. That concept, what do you mean it's found throughout Scripture? It is. It's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament. I'll give you this. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, now, In the context of what he's saying this, he's talking about counting the cost of following him. Okay, that whole idea. Do you understand what you're committing to here? You're following me. Do you understand? Have you you weighed the consequences? Have you weighed the cost? But it's also a, a concept of budget. Listen to what he says. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? You build it, you have a budget. Whether he has enough to finish it. It's that whole concept of budgeting. And so Jesus himself, in his own parable, as he's talking about the the kingdom of God and counting the cost of following him, he's bringing the idea of a budget to even when he talks about salvation. So what do we see here? What is a budget? A budget, look here, is a tool that records your cash flow plan. It records your cash flow. Now, Proverbs chapter 27 Go ahead and turn there real quick. We're going to look at a couple of passages in Proverbs. But I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Because in Proverbs, what you have here is Solomon. Now check this out. This is what the Bible says about Solomon. Richest man in the world. Wisest man who ever lived. That's what the Bible says about him. Okay? Well, in his Proverbs, he wrote most of the Proverbs. He is literally instructing his children namely his sons. And he's basically saying, hey guys, let me just tell you some things I learned along the way. Let me show you what God has impressed upon my heart to share with you. And he gives them these principles. So Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse 23. He says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, now wait a second, I'm not a farmer. I have no flock. Okay. Well, what this represents are the resources that God has entrusted you with, the things that God has blessed you with, the things you were able to have enough help to do to carry out that he's trusted you with, that stewardship mentality. And he's basically saying, you need to be diligent to know what's going on with those resources. It's the same thing we have with our finances. He says, look at these things. Verse 24, for riches are not forever nor does a crown endure to all generations. You can't count on what tomorrow's gonna bring. Calamity may come and wipe you out if you're not prepared for it. You need to be prepared. You need to look ahead. It's more than just trying to get by week to week. Then he goes on. 
When the hay is removed and the tender, tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Now, some of you are looking at that and you're saying, that relates nothing to me. Yes, it does. It's the whole idea of what God has entrusted you with. And may, it may not be in agrarian society, but it's definitely the society in which we live. We need to be diligent to know what God's given us. We shouldn't be ignoring it. We shouldn't be saying, well, it just reminds me too much of my failure and things I really don't want to be see. I'm just trying to ignore it. No, you got to face it. Be diligent. Look at it. Let God give you a plan for it. Stay in Proverbs. We're coming back to it. But look on your outline. A budget is a tool that tells your money where to go. It tells your money where to go. For some of us, it's the whole idea of where it's gone. H have you ever had those kind of budgets? Well, it's gone now, but I guess it went here, and I guess it went here, and I guess it went there. Your budget really contains both. It, on, it not only tells you where your money has gone... It tells your money where it's going. It's both proactive and reactive. Now, if you don't know where your money's going, you're not ever going to have a budget. That's the reason uh, Solomon said in the Proverbs there, he's, he, know the condition of your herds or your flocks. Know what's going on. Know, know where the cost is coming from or going out. Notice what's coming in. And it's basically that whole idea. And so... Um, Someone has said this, budgeting provides an opportunity to pray about spending decisions. When's the last time you prayed about a spending decision? When's the last time you looked at it and thought, oh, I wonder if this is something God has in store for us. I wonder if this is something we should put, invest in. I don't think most of us think that way because most of us, to be honest with you, and I've been there, I'm not condemning anyone. I've been there. We don't think about these things. Hey, if the money's in the account, go for it. Even on a more dangerous level, if we haven't reached the max of our credit card, go for it. And that's the way I used to live. That's the way you used to, hopefully what you used to live. But that's a total backwards way of looking at finances. Listen, a good budget can lessen stress and bring peace into a household. It can. My wife and I, Tina and I, we fought over money about as much as anything, because we had very little for most of our adult life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And every dime you're sitting there trying to figure out, and, and, and this partner's over here saying, I think this is important, and you're saying, no, I think this is important. And some of that conversation is justified. We need to talk about our finances. But we also need to have a plan, and we need to look at those things carefully. What three categories should be found in a home budget? Now, two of these is, is just basically the idea of, re, of uh, reviewing. First of all, giving. We looked at this two weeks ago. It meets the needs of God's church. So we're going to give. God's word says a tithe, which is 10%. He says, I want that to come to the storehouse. Now, that is, to me, it's a, if you bring it forward to the New Testament, you're looking at the idea of a church. You're looking at meeting needs to a local church. And so he's saying that. So in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house that needs can be met. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. Try me. See, you, you do this and I guarantee you, 
you'll start seeing things happening. And that, that's exactly the way it played out for Tina and I when it came to our finances. Next, giving meets the needs of others. I was so impressed that I got an email this week. Someone actually forwarded it to me. And one of someone who heard the sermon a couple weeks ago on giving basically said, you know something, I need to give. And, and they wanted to meet a, a specific need in someone else's life. And they heard there was a need. And they said, you know something, I want to give to that. I think we should give to that. And they gave to it. And it helped this single mother tremendously. And so I think we need to understand it's not just us giving to the church. We need to look at ways we can bless people and do it all in the name of Jesus. Next, what are three categories that should be found in a home budget? Saving and investing. Look at Proverbs 21. Turn over a couple pages, just one verse. I want you to see it for yourself. It says, the plans of the diligent. Now, who are the diligent? The one who has a plan. The one who's proactive. The one that can be reactive. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. That means it'll be there when you need it. It may not be a, a bunch of it, but it'll be there. But those of everyone who is hasty, those that can't wait, lack discipline, easy access to credit card, those that can't wait, who is hasty, surely to poverty. And so what are we doing? Why are we saving? Why are we investing? This is review. Emergencies. How many of you know emergencies come up? I remember the first budget I ever prepared. It had nothing. I didn't prepare for any kind of things that would go sideways. I didn't prepare for any of that. And all of a sudden, one thing came and just knocked the whole budget over. And it's the idea of what's going on. How, how about large purchases? Some of us know there's going to be certain things that are coming up. How many of you have ever had a refrigerator last, I'm talking about recently, last more than 20 years? Now, them old ones, you remember those? When you shut it and you had to pull it hard to get it open, those last for, what, 50 years? Should have never got rid of it, had you? Of course, you wouldn't have any water coming out of the door, that's for sure. But, but think about it. These things had to be replaced. I remember you talking about shock. I went and invested in a washer and dryer several years ago. And I'm standing there, and, and I mean, this was, a, it had all the spin cycles. You know what I'm talking about? These high finagled ones, you know? Got the computer built into it and all that. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to the sales rep. I said, well, i tell you one thing. You know what? My last washer and dryer lasted 20 years. I'm sitting there talking to the sales rep. I said, man, I'll be set for 20 years. He said, in what? <laughs> I said, this washer and dryer, my last one lasted 20 years. He's like, you ain't going to get 20 years out of this thing. I said, this is the most I've ever paid for a washer and dryer. <laughs> he said, it won't last. You might get seven years. I said, really? He said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those things come up. Education, retirement. How many of you know? Yeah, retirement, that does come. Third category, this is where we are today, is, of course, spending. Spending must be controlled. As I said, Dave Ramsey says this, and, and I believe him wholeheartedly. You must make your money behave. Proverbs 22, turn over there quickly. Verse 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you've got a credit card and you're underneath it, if you've got a mortgage and you're underneath it, guess who owns part of you? The bank. They own you. 
And the thing we need to realize is, is how much will they own us? <laughs> you have monthly expenses, of course, housing, mortgage, utilities, those things. Actually, on your budget, listen to this. This may blow your mind. Maybe you can check it and see where you are. Those, that category should not equal more than 25% of your net income. I know some people that I've dealt with in the past, half of their net income goes to this category. And that's going to throw a lot of things off. You know why? Because the bank will tell you, oh, you can party up to this amount of money. I remember when Tina and I were looking at building the house, and we said, well, what, what would the bank do? And they gave us a number. I'm sitting there like, there ain't no way we can afford that. But they, were, they wanted to give it to us. We had good credit, and they said, here, take it. You know what they didn't consider? That I had a giving line in my, in my budget that I wanted to be faithful to the things of God. I want to be faithful to meet needs in other people's lives. They don't take that in consideration. And so when you go to the bank, they're not looking at your budget the way you should be looking at your budget. And so you need to be careful with those things. Housing, transportation, health care. My word, that's a biggie. Insurance. How about weekly expenses? You got to have food. You got to have fuel. Debt retirement. A high priority. <laughs> need to make it a high priority. Something called a debt snowball strategy. You'll learn that in financial peace. You'll learn how to get rid of that debt. And you'll be amazed at it. It's, and you know what's, in, what's amazing? Is that if you don't owe money to a family member, because that's not considered when, it, when the bank looks at what you have, they're looking for something with the debt you already have and the debt you're asking them for. They're looking for something that if you got serious about it, you could have it all paid off in seven years. Did you know that's possible? Did you know there's people in this room, and especially people in the 11 o'clock service, who took this on, what Dave Ramsey in this financial piece, they took it on, and within seven years, they were completely out of debt. I can introduce them to you. I'm talking about house and all. And, and they just had it. I mean, it was just, it's just, you got to get serious. Lack of income. Some people may just need a, a different job. Maybe you need to get a little more education to get a different job. May, may increase your income. A second job. I carried a second job the first 15 years of our marriage. Of course, that comes at a price too sometimes. You do what you have to do, I guess. More education, better financial outlook. Lastly, what creates havoc on a budget? Lack of training. Some people don't know how to set up a budget. We, we can show you. It's not as easy as you think it is, but show you. Uh, control spending, retired debt, invest. All those things can be answered in a class that we're offering here. Here's the application. What would it look like if the people of God were debt free and could give to the kingdom of God? Now, let me just say this. We have people in this church that are there. And they give. And they set back not only what they give, they set back money to hold to give in case something else comes up. Now, is it because I go, I don't, again, I don't know who does what. I only know what people tell me. And they're so, you know what? They're so excited about the fact that there's needs that may come up. And they have the funds that are there to help. Some of you are sitting here, it's like, man, I will never be there. I guarantee you those same people thought they'd never be there either. But it's possible. 
What kind of needs would be met in the, if, if we got serious? If the people of God were debt-free and could give to the kingdom's ministry. Listen to this. Needs would be met for ministries. Ministry needs could be met. Mission needs could be met. And by the way, that's an endless way of going. I mean, there's, there's so many ways we could give to missions. Uh, for those in need, for space needs. Believe it or not, we're dealing with some severe space needs as a church. How many of you have ever had a class? How many of you have a class or a connect group I need, that meets on the other side of that wall? You enjoy uh, hearing all that loud noise and stuff? <laughs> I shouldn't call it noise. It's the worship time. It's a challenge. I've had to teach when it was going on. I, I, I understand you teachers and you facilitators. It, it, it can be... But we have plans to correct some of that. You're going to hear more about it in the fall. The deacons are working on it right now. But it costs a little money to get us there. And we need more education space. And those are just things that can happen. I want to show you what happens if we got serious. Go to the next screen. The potential church budget. Okay, 2017 median household income in North Carolina was just over 50,000. I think it was 50,500 annually. Our church family has 328 active family units. Okay, go to the next screen. Uh Uh-oh, we're hung up, aren't we? Okay, the possibilities each year. The potential budget, based on what I just gave you, if we were just simply obedient and to tithe, our budget would be $1.6 million, okay? Look at the next screen. Minus the actual budget, which we are at $1.1 million. And I'll tell you this. I, I want to encourage you, too, with this number. This number has gotten better over the years because I do this quite a bit. And our percent has gotten actually better. So as a church, we're doing something better when it comes to more people being involved in tithing, it looks like, based on that number. Now, if you look at the next number here, if you, make, if you minus the difference, we, we still have another $540,000 per year that we could do something with. Ministries, missions, whatever, the space need that we have here. Here's another line, plus budgeted for projects. Every time, every year we present a budget, we always have anywhere from 100 and 85,000 to 240,000, I think it's the most I've ever seen, of things that we try to put into the budget for future growth or to pay something down. So if you look at those two numbers, you have a total of $725,000 per year that we could use to knock out these needs that we have to be fully funded in the ministry that we believe God's called us to. Now let's go to the next screen there. Uh, three major projects will be presented in the fall this year, okay? They are things that will help us get by to the phase four. Now, many of you are like, yeah, that phase four, I've been hearing about it for 20 years. I've been talking about it for 20 years. Imagine what I'm dealing with, okay? But it's one of these things where we can knock these things out quickly. But we think we need to, to pause and look at something else. You'll be presented that in the fall before we can look at this next phase. And and that's something that we are, this phase four is where we're hoping to move to. 1,200 seat auditorium, small group rooms, senior adult suite. Now, some of this will be taken care of in the major projects, those three major coming up. More paved parking, some of that will be handled. Office, old office building becomes a counseling center and mission center. We still have that on the horizon. That's still part of the vision of this church. And we think that God can use these things in a mighty way. So here's where I want to end this morning. Maybe this is you. Think about this. I want to be a part of this vision 
And I do not want to hold the church back from its potential. Y'all, I don't ever want to hold our church back. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, no, wait a second, you, you basically stripped it all down. You said it's a financial thing. In a lot of ways, it is. It is a financial thing. God says, if you believe this is the church home God's called you to be a part of, God has an expectation that can be met through this church. And I'm not just talking about building buildings. I'm talking about some pretty big things that we can do in missions. I'm talking about big things that we can do. Listen, and so from its potential, so you're saying, I don't want to hold the church back from its potential to reach people with the gospel. Here's what I would challenge you to do. This is something Tina and I did. It's very basic. When we thought we couldn't tithe, we began to give 3%. Some of you have heard this before. We did. We just figured, okay, we got to start. I, I want us to have a plan and, and, and I, I know this is crazy, but it'll work. And within 24 months, my, in my mind, my goal was to be where I wanted to be obediently. And so we started with 3%. In less than a year, we were already at 10% of what God. We, we, here's what we did. We basically said, God, we're going to step out to, towards obedience. And we just want to see how this is going. And I'll be jump if, if it just didn't snowball and all of a sudden we were there. In less than a year. Because we wanted to see the potential. Not only for the church, but for ourselves. Some of you say, well, let me just say this. I'm not you. Let me tell you, let me tell you how bad it got bad for us. How bad it was for us. Back in, in, our, in our early 40s, we had credit card debt. We had student loan debt. We had a house we were trying to pay for. Any type of debt a person could potentially have, we had it. Go back a decade before that. We were living so much week to week. Tina reminded me of this. We would go get the pennies out of the jar. How many of you have ever had to do that? Roll the pennies because the bank didn't do it back then. I don't know. They might not do it now. We had to get the little things and we, here you go, you know. I'm serious. Listen, I was sitting in the den one day. There was a knock on the door and I went to the door. The bank was there to pick up my truck. I'm serious. That's how bad it got. And I'm here to tell you, I, I'm being as transparent as I know how to tell you. I know from from personal experience, how low it can go. And I can tell you how if you will just get a plan and you'll just start becoming obedient with what God has for you and you take on a stewardship mentality, realizing that he's the one that's blessed you with this and this is the, this, he, he's calling the operation, you'll be amazed at what he can do from there on out. And I just want to encourage you with that. I'm not up here saying, woe is me. Listen, I'm nowhere near that situation now because I took what I saw as simple principles from God's word and I said, we're going to do this the right way. And we committed to do it the right way. Listen, 11 years ago, 11 years ago. And you'd be amazed at what God's done in our life. You say, well, wait, I'm doing the math. You were a pastor here for eight of those years. And, and the neg you're exactly right. It was everything we could do to live up to that level of obedience. But you know what? I was one of those people that's like, okay, we'll just kind of wing it. We'll just kind of figure it out as we go. 
I look back on it now and I wonder how much more potential could have come from us as a family if I would have got serious about it 10 years before that or 10 years before that. You got to start somewhere. And I just want to encourage you to start. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I don't know where you are this morning. Would you go ahead and just stand to your feet? I, I, I don't know where you are this morning. I, I believe for many families, the struggle is in the area of finances. And I just want you to, heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to think about a couple of things. We're going to have an invitation here in just a moment, but what's keeping you from being obedient to where God wants you in your finances. And I'm not just talking about the tithe. I'm talking about the whole area of finances. Are you trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they say? Are you uh, possibly lack of financial skills? Are you dealing with financial stress from everywhere? I don't know where you may be this morning. But myself and Gary are going to be here at the front. And if you want someone to pray with you concerning your finances, concerning maybe a life decision you've made recently, maybe you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, or maybe you want to know more about what that looks like. Maybe you believe this is the church home God's called you to be a part of. Whatever it is, we want to be here for you in these moments. But I just want to ask you, where are you? And probably a greater question is this, where do you want to be? You see, I always knew where we were, and I never thought we could be where I thought God wanted me to be or where he wanted us to be. But eventually we got there, and I don't know where you are. We'd love to pray with you over that. Father, we just pray you have your way in this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with us this morning?
I'll ask the ushers to come forward. Father, we just come to you right now, and we just lift up this time to you, Lord. And, and Lord, we know that uh, you've called us to a task. Uh, Lord, just as you call each one of us to give, you call us as a church uh, to be specific about the plan that you have for this individual church. And, Father, I thank you that when budgets are put together and when all the things are put together about missions and ministry, Lord, we thank you that 